Um, last week, if you guys, we were in Seoul uh, for a wedding. If you guys know John Park uh, and Pauline, uh, some of you guys may know them. Um, John Park's uh, one of our pastors. He's a discipleship pastor up in Seoul. And um, he got married. He was very happy. Uh, and uh, we got to spend some time with some really close friends of ours up in Seoul. And so we, we didn't have service here. But if you did stream into our service uh, online up in Seoul, um, Pastor Susie, she preached on worship. And it was like costly worship, how worship is costly. One of our core values that we had a long time ago when uh, we were under um, just the, the previous leadership was, was extravagant worship. And that was one of our, I think it was our first um, core value. And I, I feel like it still carries on with us today. We really want to experience extravagant worship. You know, and I, I know it's kind of hard to do it here in this like kind of like this awkward atmosphere, but um, I've been wanting to preach on worship for a long time. Uh, I felt like uh, as a community, we're coming together, and you know, God is starting to like stir us up, and I really feel like we want to lead the way in worship. And um, as Susie preached last week, I was I, I remembered I was like, oh, I really should piggyback off of her. And I'm going to be preaching today um, on the topic of the power of praise. And it's going to come from Psalm 95. So if you have a Bible, I think it's going to be up here, Molly. If, all right, so if you guys have um, your Bible, just kind of keep your finger there, Psalm 95. Um, and it's the word today is going to be on praise and worship. Um, if you look at the Bible, and if you read through the Bible, the word sing, right? The literally the word sing comes up 400 times in the Bible. And in 50 times in the Bible, the word sing isn't just like a suggestion, it's a commandment. Right? It's a commandment that God gives us to sing. Um, you know, it, it's not like a, you know, it just, it's just like, oh, you guys should sing if you're happy. No, it's like sing to the Lord a new song. That's a commandment, right? You know, like sing, uh, you know, like, with harp and lyre, sing with like symbols and clashing symbols. These are commandments that um, the Lord gives us to sing and give praise to God. In Zephaniah 3.17, it says that He will exalt over us with loud singing. The He that the Bible is talking about is God. And so God sings over us. He sings over us, right? Um, you know, he sings Himself. And singing is something that He does. And, says, and the Bible says that he sings over us. And not only uh, is this word sing found in like the Old Testament and in the Psalms, it's all over the Psalms, but it's found in the New Testament. Ephesians 5.19, it says, Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Colossians um, 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And I'm confident in saying that singing is not something that man invented. It wasn't like a long time ago, some dude just like, be like, oh, and I said, well, that sounds good. Let me like try a different note. Oh, and he's like, oh, and then started singing one day. But I feel like, I, I believe that like singing has always been in human history, right? Um, it's, it's a part of what kind of makes us as, as human and I believe it's because it's ingrained into our being is the way that God created us God created us with the ability to sing as a way for us to express our emotions and 
and it's what kind of makes us human, right? Um, it's given to us by God to express our emotions and experience a little bit of the heavenly. A lot of times singing can be a spiritual experience. Who's been to like a concert? Anybody you guys gone to like a rock concert or like like Michael Bublé or something? Um, I remember when I, the first concert I ever went to it was with my older sister. And she took me to a U2 concert. And I remember sitting there and, and I mean I knew U2 since I was a little kid. I, I'm really old so like this is when YouTube was like an oldie to you guys, but like to me it was like cutting edge music, right? Um, and I, it was when that the pop album came out, and we went to the Coliseum in LA, and we had these like seats, and it was me and my sister, and like I think one of her friends, and we were just like sing that. And then um, Bono would come out and like sing this song like uh, in the name of love, and then like all the people would like have their hands up and they would sing along, and they're just like ah, like raptured by this song and this musician, and it kind of is like a spiritual experience when 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 we when people sing. We have Norebang, right? You know, like every us Koreans, we love like NRB. We love to go to Norebangs, and on coupon we bought these karaoke mics. Um, some of you good ladies came to our house and had dinner and you guys experienced our karaoke mics. But you know, when, when I just ordered one because I saw it on TV and it was really cheap, it was like 12 bucks. And I remember the first time I just like hooked it to my phone and I, I sang into it. It was like, there's something like awoke in me, right? I was like, ooh, right? Cause I remember I used to like sing a lot and I used to go to Nordavang. We used to ditch school and go to Nordavang in LA and stuff. And I was just like, oh, this like, I felt this like emotion, like, oh. This is something that I really enjoy doing. And, you know, people have valued singing and music throughout history. You know, like the Beatles and Michael Jackson and, you know, more you know, like Justin Bieber, right? If Justin Bieber or BTS, I talk about BTS a lot because Mina loves BTS, but if BTS come in here, some of you guys would be like, oh, like, you guys, you guys would, you know, you, we value musicians, we value people that are able to produce music. Uh, and we have to understand that this value that we place on music is beyond logic and reason, right? It really is. It's not. It's, it's, there's like. There's no logic about like what m- music and why we like like it so much. But if music was removed from our lives, right, it would. Our lives would be like a lot more dull. You know, like, you know, when you're in prison, you get to have radios because they they that they don't want to deprive people of that kind of entertainment and that kind of the music and so it's it's beyond logic it's beyond reason it's a, it's a spiritual aspect to singing and, and and music for the human experience and and in the spiritual realm for the people of God there is importance to singing you know something happens when the people of God we sing together we have worship time here today and it wasn't just us like singing a song but it was something spiritual that happens when the people of God come together and we sing praises to God. That's why it's a commandment. It's a command in the Bible 50 times for the people of God to sing, make a joyful noise, and and sing and exalt our God. And the value to to praise and worship isn't, you know, because God is sitting up in heaven because He needs our praise, right? You know, like Mina's a, a person that's a words of affirmation. Right? And uh, you know, she always tells me, I'm words of affirmation. It's like her love language. She needs to be like praised, right? It's because she feels love when people say, oh, 
my love, you did such a wonderful job. And then she goes, oh, but then it makes her feel loved inside, right? That's how she feels loved, right? But that's not God. God is not insecure about like, you know, being loved and, and he doesn't need our praise at all. He really doesn't because the Bible says, he says, my name is I am. I always am. I always have an am. I am. I am existence, right? I am the being of all beings. And so there's, there's no like, you know, like thing that God needs where he needs us to praise him and give him like lip service. He doesn't command us to praise him and sing him because he needs it. You know, he's not sitting up in heaven like feeling insecure. But I believe that, you know, God tells us to sing because something happens when we sing praises to God. And, and the answer can be found in Psalm 22, verse 3. It says, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. That word enthroned in Hebrew can be translated as inhabit or dwell. So it's saying that God inhabits the praises of the people of God. God dwells in the midst of the praises of the people of God. And so... You know, when we praise God, we are kind of, in a sense, transported into a place where we are closer to God, we're in His presence, right? And, and we're being changed by being in, you know, like, like being dwelled by God in our midst. And this is a good thing. Because when we truly pr praise God, we're expressing our love and adoration and our affections for God. He dwells in our midst. He inhabits the praises of His people and our hearts start to change when we come into the presence of God. You know, you, there's no way that you can be in God's presence and not be changed. Some of you guys think like, well, I think I can. right? But there's no way for us to be in God's presence and not be changed. And it, the reason we, 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 don't, we don't change sometimes is because we choose to not be in His presence. We're like, for me, it's like, oh, you know, like I could be in God's presence right now, but you know, I, I have Instagram, you know, or like, you know, I, I could, I can do this, or I can do that. But when we truly seek to be in His presence, and when we like, like shut everything down, we quiet all the things around us, and then we approach God, and we start to truly worship Him, and He starts to inhabit the place of our worship, there's no way that we cannot be changed by His presence. So 50 times in the Bible, the, the Bible tells us to sing, to praise God, because it's a way for us to be near God, helps us to draw near to Him, to be in His midst, and it transforms us. Now, I chose Psalm um, 95 because it gives us a clear picture of how true praise and worship, what it looks like, and also like what it does to us, right? Um, I'm going to talk about today what does true praise really look like and then I want to also talk about what it should produce in us. When we truly praise God, it does produce something in us. So let's read Psalm 95 together. Uh, if you have your Bibles or you can look up at the screen. Uh, Psalm 95. Let it, it's called, Let Us Sing Songs of Praise. That's how it's entitled in my Bible. And it says, O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence and with thanksgiving. 
Let us make a joyful noise to Him with song of songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a king and a great King above all gods. In His hands are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are His also. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day of Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who are astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Kind of ends in a bummer, right? It's like, sing songs to the Lord, and then it's like, oh, they will never enter my rest, right? But there's a, there's a lot of like good insight in this psalm. Um, and so, you know, the psalm starts off with this exhortation for us to sing. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. And the first thing I want to talk about today is that true praise is an expression of our heart. It's an expression of our heart in relations, in relation to who God is. Right? Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Right? He is the rock of our salvation. The author of this psalm is saying that God is the rock of, of His salvation. Right? He's, it's, it, God is the one that He stands on. And so true praise isn't just giving God like lip service or mouth service. It isn't about coming together and singing songs because we're just supposed to do it out of habit or out of tradition. And, and, and it's not about singing well. You know, like I don't sing all that well. And it's not about performance. It, it's, and it's not about the types of songs we sing. But true praise is an expression of our heart as it applies to who God is and what He has done for us. It says, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. True praise is an expression of the joy, of the love, an expression of the overflow of what God has done. And, and for, for us and within us, who He is to us. And it wells up in us like, like emotions and, and thanksgiving and glee and bliss, right? These are things that happen when we truly realize who God is and what He has done. Now, when I was young, I didn't understand praise. I just would go to church because my mom would say, you have to go to church. When I was like elementary school, middle school, and we would always sing songs. And I was like, why do we have to sing songs? It felt so like, it felt like such a task, right? We would go, and then, and then some of the kids would have memorized. They would have those transparency sheets. Remember those? Those clear sheets that they would put on that machine, and it would like throw it up onto the screen, and they would turn the lights down low, and we would clap and sing our songs. I didn't know what, what it was about, right? I just, I just memorized the song so that I didn't look stupid. But when I, like, in high school, when I truly became saved, right, in high school, I, like, I had this, like, profound experience with God, and I realized who He was, 
and like you know things started to like change in my life and I remember like saying like like I want to praise God all the time and this was a time before YouTube this is before Apple Music if you wanted to listen to like Christian music you have to either buy the cassette tape you remember those cassette tapes some of you guys are so old you've never seen a cassette tape but back then we had to go go to like the church like we would have to go to Vineyard Church and buy the cassette tape right or like, or, or if you were rich, you would buy the CD because you had a CD player. I didn't have a CD player until I was like well after college. But we'd have either do that or we'd have to listen to Christian radio. And one of the reasons why I learned to play the guitar, I learned to play the guitar, I was self-taught. Nobody taught me how to play the guitar. And, and it sounds like that, right? It sounds like nobody taught me, right? But the reason why I started to, to, to learn the guitar and like started to play the guitar is because like I, I had this desire in my heart to praise the Lord. It was when I was in high school and I saw, like, you know, like, we would, it was weird. It was this experience where we would stay after church so that we can sing songs more, right? It was a profound change in my life. And I remember thinking, like, oh, I want to learn the guitar so that I can do this at home. And so I, I came and I learned the guitar and I was, like, singing songs at home. But it was, it, it was this expression of, like, this overflow of, of just joy and thanksgiving in my heart because I, I knew who God was. Like before, he was just a concept, but when he became a true, like my savior and the true, like, like a relationship in my heart, I like wanted to sing his praises all the time. So true, true praise isn't necessarily what we do, but it's what is done to us as we engage God and as we learn about who he is, as we, as his reality becomes truth in us. And starts to overflow in us. You know, praise is knowing the greatest truth that we can ever know and allowing the bliss, the joy, the thanksgiving that comes from that truth to flow out from our hearts. And it's like, you know, one, the best way to describe this is I remember when, when we, when I first started dating Nina and, you know, like you, you get into that and I still love my wife very much, right? And I look at her and be like, oh, I can't believe she married me, right? There's days where I look at her and be like, I really cannot believe she married me, right? I remember when we first started dating, I was like in this bliss where like, I was like, oh, I can't believe she actually likes me. And I can't believe like, you know, like, she, we're like, I'm like in this relationship and then she wants to marry me. And it was this thing of just overflow of just, just bliss, right? It's the best way to kind of describe it. But, you know, if you truly understand who God is to you in your life, right, that thanksgiving and that joy starts to, to come forth as Holy Spirit starts to do His work in your heart. And I say that it's true praise is an expression of the heart because our hearts, we can't lie, right? Our hearts don't lie, right? You can, you can fake heart, right? you can fake praise, right? you can fake the funk, Right, you can fake it so that people around you can think like, oh yeah, that person's very spiritual. But you can't fake it in your heart. Right? You can't fake it in your heart. And that's the thing that is uh, what it is, is that the world can see your outside. The world can see what you do and the way you act. Only God can truly know your heart. You know that? The only person in this universe that truly knows your heart, you may think, oh, it's my wife. No, your wife, she may know certain aspects of your heart, but the only one in this universe that truly knows your heart even better than you know your heart is God. And God is not looking at your outside. God is looking at your heart. 
That's why it's an, it has, true praise is an, is an expression of the heart. When it's really flowing out from your heart, it's not about what, it, what you look like when you're praising Him. But God is like, oh, I'm pleased by the position of His heart. I'm pleased by the position of Josh's heart. I'm pleased by the position of Mo's heart. You know, It's because He sees your heart and it's an expression of your heart. And the next point I wanted to make is that true praise, true worship is an expression of devotion. It says, For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In order for there to be true praise in your heart, He has to be number one. We can't worship God if you're worshiping other gods. Now the world isn't filled with worshipers and non-worshippers. That's kind of the way we think. We think when we see the world, it's like, oh, those guys are not worshippers. We are worshippers. But you know that everybody worships something. It doesn't mean if it doesn't matter if you're not a believer, you can be an atheist. You you worship something, right? They'll worship science. They'll worship their careers. They'll worship their families, their children. They'll worship sports and entertainment. Everybody, we're really good at making little gods. And, and they'll give praise and they'll give worship to something in their life, whether it's money, whether it's career, fame, notoriety. And for true praise to flow from our hearts, He has to be our God above all gods. He has to be our King. Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Here, Jesus is talking about money, but it can be anything in your life. You know, we're so good at making little gods. We're so good at making idols in our lives. And I'm so good at it too, right? As soon as something like excites me, and just, I idol, ding, ding, ding. I focus all my attention. I start researching about it. How, do, how, how can this make my life more easier? You know, like certain, a bit of technology, and I'm like, oh, I want that in my life. Idol, you know, we're so good at making idols in our lives. But in order for true praise to come from you, he has to be your number one. This is not a secret. Right. You guys, we should all know this. It says from the very beginning. You can't be like, God, how do you expect me to put you number one? Don't you know that I'm getting married? Don't you know that I'm about to have a kid? Don't you know that my, how important my career is to me? Right? We People will make these excuses before God. Like, God, like, I, like, I'm going to try my best to make you number one, but like this other part of my life seems more exciting right now. And so, like, I'm just going to put you on the back burner and I'm going to kind of focus on this aspect of my life right now. And I'm telling you guys, God will never take... He, he will not share His glory with another. From the beginning, God has made it clear to us. There is this heavenly expectation that we place God number one in our life. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's the number one co- commandment. Right? The, you know the Ten Commandments are in a order for a reason. It's not like, like you know, like Moses, like just like randomly started praying. No, God gave us these commandments in in order from importance, right? From the very most important. The first is, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's number one. Even Jesus, He gives us the number one commandment: Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And this is not a suggestion. It's not like put God first when things are going well or put God th- first when, when you need help in your life. 
But the commandment of God is that put God first. He has to be first at all times. Don't have any other gods before me. And let me tell you, this affects how we praise God. It affects how we worship. And if you really are seeking to be a person or man or a woman of God that, that, that seeks to be a true man of God, we have to be able to put God first because it affects the position of our hearts in worship. Jesus said in Matthew 13, 44, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which man found and covered up and in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. It's like nothing that I want more than, than, than this, this closeness and this relationship with God. I want to ask you, is this your heart? Is this your heart? Because this is the source of true praise. And you guys have to know this truth. You know there's a myth, right? There's a myth that's going around amongst Christians that says that when we put God first, other aspects in our life will suffer. This is a myth, and we've all thought it in our lives, right? You, you know, if you put, if you go all in for God, and when you put Him first, you know, your relationships, your career, your finances will suffer, right? We feel like this, like in, in certain times when something like you know good happens in your life, something exciting, and you feel like, oh God, if I like. If I, if I kind of devote too much of my time on you, God, and this other area of my life is going to suffer. But here's the bottom line. You can only have God's best for you if you put Him first. And let me tell you, God knows best. He knows what is best for you because He created you, He formed you, He knew you before the foundation of the world. He knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And He has the best intentions for you. He placed the desires in your heart. He's the one that placed those desires in your heart. And He's the one that knows how to fulfill them. But we live with this myth. If I go all in for God, right? If I just like, just, just go all in for, for God and, and, and my work will suffer, my career will suffer, my relationships, my friendships will suffer, my marriage, my kids. But you guys have to understand the best careers, the best marriages, the best relationships, the best relationships between you and your kid, your children, they all come when we put God first. Do you guys know that? You know, the best thing that you could do for your marriage isn't so much like spending more time with your parent, with your wife, but it really is putting God first in your life. This, this sounds kind of stupid. But that's the truth. The best thing that you can do, the best thing that I can do for my kids is to put God first in my life. So that I start to become the man that God wants me to be. So that when I talk to my kids, I'm not yelling all the time, you know? And I'm like, do this now, you know? I go to Mina and I get all frustrated. I'll be like, why did you do that? Why can't you listen to me? The best thing that I can do for my marriage and my kids and my career and whatever for this church is for me to put God first. Because as you put God first, something happens. God tries, starts to like, He honors that and He starts to transform your heart. And so then when you talk with your wife or when you talk with your husband or when you talk with your kids or when you're doing things in, in, your, in, in, in the world that you're in, you start to like, be like, ah. Oh. First of all, it's easier. 
everything is a little bit easier, but you're doing things with joy, but then there's like the grace of the Lord and the favor of the Lord on your life. It's a myth, guys. It's a myth that when you think that when you go all in and you put God first in your life, that certain areas of your life is going to suffer. No, you're going to you're going to experience the fullness of what God has for you as you start to put Him first. Now, all of this it can only come like true worship and praise can only come when we place Him first in our lives. And then the point number three: true worship is an expression of submission. It says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pastures and the sheep of His hand. Now, I want to tell you today that true praise comes from a heart of submission and surrender. The heart of submission to God, because a heart of praise is a heart that is obedient to God. A heart of praise is a heart that has been transformed by the gospel and a transformed heart isn't just a transformation in how we feel but it's a transformation is not just a transformation in, in our emotions but it's a transformation in tangibly how we live our lives now, you could feel a certain way all you want but there's a whole other thing for you to start to do the things of God in your life right when you hate it when your friend be like oh man like uh, you know, I, I wish you could have helped me. So, oh, you know, I, like, like I, I really, I felt like I really wanted to help you, right? That doesn't really help you, right? It's just because somebody feels like they want to help you. Like, what helps you is when they help you, right? And when Josh had to move, and then he called me, and he's like, Caleb, can you help me move? And I was like, oh, I really feel like helping you, right? I have this emotion in my heart that I really want to help you, but then I was like, oh, you know what? I'm a little busy. I don't think I can do it. It's completely different, right? And that's the thing with God is that when God truly transforms us, it's not so much the emotions, right? Because we can feel all we want. It's what it is, is how we live your life and the actions that we take in our lives. It's the obedience in our lives. Bowing down to God isn't just about feeling small in comparison to Him. It's about doing what He says. Because He is God. He knows what's best. We can't truly praise God, truly praise Him for who He is and what He has done, worship Him without submitting to His Word and His commandments and His ways. Because here's the thing. It's not about so much submission, but it's, it's about love, right? We, we think about God saying, Obey me. We think that it's about... It's all about obedience and submission, but true praise comes from a heart of love and affection. And we can't say we love God without submitting to His ways. I can't say I love Mina, right? I love you, Mina, so much, and I go out and I'm cheating around with all these different girls, right? And I'm breaking our marriage covenant, but I go, I love you. I love you so much, right? But what do I I, I obey? Right, the commitment that we make, I obey to like, you know, not look at other girls and, and, and not do all these things, that that's true love. And it's about love. It's more about love than submission. Jesus said, if you love me, you will, what? Obey me, right? Obey my commandments. Does that mean if you obey God that you love Him? Not necessarily. There are a lot of people that obey God that don't really love Him. 
But true love produces in us true obedience and submission. It's, it's easy to sing praise to God and not be submitted to Him. But if you want true praise to like come from you, if you want true worship to come from me, you have to submit to Him. You have to bow down. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our Maker. The kind of worship where God inhabits our praises can only come when we are surrendered to Him, when we are in submission to Him, and we are obedient to His will. It's so much more than just singing a song. It changes us, it transforms us, it draws us closer to God. We can feel God. We can hear and see Him through us worshiping Him and praising Him. And we know it comes from this place where we, we know that He loved us so much that you know He sent His Son to die on the cross, to pay the ultimate price, to redeem us so that we can be in relationship with Him. And when we understand His love for us and we learn the love of God with, with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, when we start to really get into that place where we're like, oh God, You love me so much. And Your grace is so like overwhelming and Your mercy is so great. And we stand in awe of Him and we bow down and we submit to Him in our love. That's from that place is where true Praise and worship flows from us. It's an expression of our submission and devotion to God and our adoration to God. And so, so true praise is an expression of, of submission. And lastly, true praise is an expression of community. It says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us Make a joyful noise to the rock of our, our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him and songs of praise. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pastures and the sheep of His hand. There is a communal aspect to praise that cannot be denied, right? Now, a lot of us, we, we praise God in our personal time at home, you know, when we're driving in the car and we sing, you know, praise music, or when we're in our prayer closet and we're praying and we give praise of thanksgiving. This is, this is very important. Right? I'm not saying that you guys aren't supposed to, like, praise God by yourself. Right? There needs to be that, that intimate, you know, one-on-one aspect of our relationship with God. But there's an aspect of to communal praise that is so important for our faith. Gathering together as a body of Christ and worshiping God together is so important to our faith. You guys cannot deny the importance of of, of just gathering like this. God saved us to be His bride. And the bride of Christ is not a person, it's the church. You know, like when we were, when we were young, you know, I say this a lot. I remember I had these girls at our church, and they would be like, oh, I'm the bride of Christ. Oh, I love Jesus. I want to marry Jesus. Right? And they're like, homegirl, you're not going to marry Jesus by yourself. Right? You are not the bride of Christ. You being part of the church, community gathered together in one heart, in one mind, in one voice, 
singing to the Lord and worshiping Him. And as He comes and He takes you to heaven, that is the bride of Christ. And that is the way that God saved you. God didn't save you for individuality. God saved you for a community. He saved you to be His body together. The second greatest commandment, Jesus says, is to love one another. And something very special happens when God's people come together to worship and praise Him together. It's because it's a glimpse of what is to come. When we worship God together, we're taking part in what we're going to be doing for eternity. This is a small glimpse of what is to come. I know as we come here together, and at the beginning of worship, it's a little awkward, and this doesn't look like a church, you know, and, and, and we, you know, we, sometimes we have to get, but I want to tell you that, you know, and, and we're a lot, there's a lot of melancholies that come to our church, right? And melancholies, we got, you guys are more reserved, and you guys are more quiet, but it's not about how good, or it's not about how like loud and how expressive our worship is. When we were immature, we felt that way. We felt that when somebody's like raising their hands, I'd be like, ah! Like, oh, that guy, that girl is very spiritual. No, it's about the heart, right? But when we gather together and in our one spirit and in our heart, we're worshiping God together, right? we're experiencing a little bit of heaven. It's special. It's because we're, we're experiencing a little bit of what we're going to do for an eternity. There's a little bit of heaven here when we worship God together. Think about that. When we gather here and we sing praise to God, as heaven, in a sense, opens up over us. And so true praise is an expression of community. It's an expression of the communal, together with God, experiencing God in His presence with one another in unity, the kind of life that we will experience when we're glorified with Christ and we see Him face to face. It's an expression of that. And it's so important to our faith. I know I know people that, you know, they're like, oh, I'm so I'm so burnt out on churches. I like I, I just get my spirituality from a podcast. I'll just like I'll watch sermons, but I'm so burnt out. You know, and I and I, I, I would I wanna I would encourage them as like, hey, like God didn't save you for you to just sit alone and experience him, but God saved you so you can experience him in community. Hebrews 10:25 Not neglecting to meet together as in is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. He's coming back. You know Jesus is coming back. Do you guys believe it? Do you guys believe he's coming back? He's coming back soon and one of the ways that we can prepare for him in his coming is to prepare him through our praises. As we praise God, we're preparing the way for the Lord. And so there's a huge communal aspect to our praise. As we put on the garment of praise, as we gather here, and we start to really like connect our hearts to Him, and we sing praises, and we thank Him, and we worship Him, you know, like, we, as a family, as a community, we have God in our midst. By the Spirit of God in our midst. Now I'm going to close with this. I want to talk about what does true praise produce in us? What is it supposed to produce in us? It produces in us the right heart, 
God, God said that David was a man after his own heart. I believe that the reason David was a man after God's own heart is because of all of the Psalms that he wrote. When you look at the Psalms, so many of the Psalms, which are songs that, that David wrote to God, and you, you know that David was a worshiper. One of the things that he did when he became king, he's like, I want to build a tabernacle and they're going to have like trumpet players and cymbal players and like people with harps and lyre. I don't even know what a lyre looked like, right? But they just had instruments and there's going to be singers and, and it's like all these people praising the Lord 24-7. It just expresses the, the heart of worship that David had for the Lord, the heart of praise. He spent so much time worshiping and praising God I believe that's why God says this is a man after my own heart. And something happens when we live a life of praise like that. When we continue to put on the garment of praise, you know, true praise keeps our hearts from hardening. I'm going to say that again. True praise keeps our hearts from hardening. And this is very important. If you guys are taking notes, right on there. This is very important. It says, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years, I loathed that generation. said, they are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. The psalmist is talking about the people of Israel in Exodus 17, after they have seen the great miracles of God, God does these amazing miracles, right? Like if, if I saw one of these miracles, I'll be like, God is real, right? Uh, but they saw ten of these miracles, ten of these plagues, and then they saw God split an ocean before them to save them, and yet when they go into the wilderness and there's like not that much water, there's no water, they start to quarrel and they fight with Moses. And they accuse him of like trying to murder them. He's like, you brought us out here so that we that you can kill us, right? And in verse 7, it says that he, he, he called the place Masa, which is testing, and Meribah, which is quarreling, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying, this is the Lord, is the Lord among us or not? I believe there's a correlation between us praising God and our hearts not hardening. Right. If you want your heart to not harden physically, what do you have to do? You have to exercise. I got to really do it. I'm going to start this week again. I'm going to start exercising. Took a little break because it got cold and my gym closed for a while, so I'm going to start working out. But there's the same. There's a, there's a way for us to keep our spiritual hearts from hardening, and it's to continue to praise the Lord. There's a correlation between our hearts hardening and us praising God. Because at Massa, or you know, where they were quarreling and when they were, were testing the Lord, the people of Israel stopped doing what? They stopped praising God. Right? They, they're like, oh, praising God when when He was saving them from the e Egyptian army. They're like, they're like, oh, they're gonna come and kill us. What do we do? And then God splits the sea and they cross over and then they all die before them. And they're like, yeah, we praise the Lord. And then as soon as this is like. You guys, you think this is like many, many years later. No, this is like a few weeks later. Things get a little tough and they're like, Oh, what's going on, Moses? Where the, where the meat at? Where the water at? Right? And then, and then they start to quarrel. What did they stop doing? They stopped praising God. 
and their hearts were hardened. They started to quarrel and they started to test God. The Bible warns us from a hardened heart. Hebrews 3.8 Do not harden your heart as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Verse 13 But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Mark 8.17 And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? For a Christian, a hardened heart is one of the worst things that can happen to you. Because when your heart is hardened, we don't know that it's hardened. Nobody would be like, Oh, my heart is hard. Ain't no Christian ever said that. We, when we, like, when we, our hearts are hardened, what do we do? We feel self-righteous. We feel prideful. We feel like, oh, I didn't do nothing wrong. And we don't even know that our hearts are hardened. All of a sudden, we feel like far from God. And we feel far from His presence. And we forget all the amazing things that He's done in our lives when our hearts, and, and when our hearts are hardened, and, and, and we feel like far from God, but we don't even know it. It's like, you know, like having a hardened heart is having like stuff on your face. You can't see it. Right? I, when, I, you know, like when, when I have like green things stuck in my teeth, I can't see it. Right? And when our hearts are hardened, we don't see it. We don't feel it. it doesn't, it's not something that we, we, can, we can recognize right away. But what it does is it makes us feel far from God. And so many times what happens is when our situa- situations get hard, and things in life start to get difficult, our hearts start to harden, and then like think, testing comes and we start to get testy, and when our circumstances get difficult, our hearts get hard and we find ourselves far from God. But here's the key. The key to overcoming our difficulties and the key to keeping our hearts soft and pliable before the Lord it's to keep praising Him through the hard times. It's to keep praising Him when things get tough. We praise Him even more. Right. Have you ever tried to do that? It's hard for me to do that. I want to tell you honestly. When things get hard, the first thing I do is I complain. God, wow, what's going on, God? I thought you loved me. Right? And what's going on, God? And then the, and then the next thing I do is like, oh, alright, if you're not going to help me, I'm going to solve this on my own. Right? I go out and I start like, Googling things. Yeah. I feel like, God, you don't know Google, right? I'm going I'm to I'm get the answer on Google, right? And things get hard. We just like, we, we feel like, God, I'm just going to try to fix this on my own. But what God tells us to do is when things get hard, when things get tough, we praise Him even more. We're like, God, thank you. Thank you for, for loving me even through this. Thank you for, for being with me. Thank you and I praise you. Even despite my circumstances, I praise you. And we're able to draw strength from God and we praise and worship and we give Him glory even when things around us don't seem so good. That's when we're able to experience like like God and experience His goodness and His grace in the wilderness. We're able to see what God is doing in our lives. And it keeps our hearts from getting hard. But in Ezekiel 36 and it says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I want to put in you and I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh 
and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. One of the key things in finding God's will for your life, all right, and, and God's calling for your life is praise. You guys, and naturally it doesn't really seem like there's a connection there. But you know what? If you really want to know God's will for your life, learn to praise Him. In the good times, learn to praise Him in the bad times. Learn to praise Him when things are abundant. Learn to praise Him when there's lack in your life. In all circumstances. And soon, not only will you will your hearts like remain like will be kept from getting hard, but we start to have a new heart, a softer heart before the Lord. He starts to shape our hearts, and we start to fall in line with His will. And there's something amazing happens when you are when you praise God through like difficult times. When you praise God, when you know even despite your circumstances, you open yourself up to the supernatural powers of God. You guys know that we serve a supernatural God. Remember in Acts 16, Paul and Silas. There's just like this, this like this demonized girl that is able to, you know, like tell the future, and then Paul like casts out that demon, and all of a sudden the girl can't like tell the future anymore, and he's like, oh, this guy has robbed me of my, you know, my ability to make money, and then they put him in jail. They put Paul and Silas in jail, right? They they put stocks on their legs, and they're sitting in prison, right? And what does the Bible say that they did? They sang hymns and they praised the Lord well into the night. Right? They're sitting in prison and they're just thanking God. God, thank you. We praise you. We worship you. And what happens? Earthquake. All the doors fling open. And they're like free. And then like the guard sees this and they're like, I'm going to kill myself because all the people have run away. And Paul's like, no, no. You don't even have to worry. We didn't go anywhere. right? And then what happens to the guard? The guard gets saved. When, when you're able to praise God and worship God, in, in the tough times, in the times of lack in your life, you open yourself up to the supernatural powers of God in your life. It's a, we serve a supernatural God. And, and, and we, we're able to tap into His power when we are able to praise Him, give thanks in all circumstances. Brothers and sisters, God wants us to sing. He wants us to praise Him. He wants us to worship Him with our mouths. He wants us to sing and says like you know dance and sing songs and use musical instruments to give Him praise. Not because He's in heaven, you know, like needing us to do it, but it's the way for us to be transformed. It's the way for us to tap into the power of God. It's a way for us to draw closer to Him, to 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 experience Him and encounter Him, to be in His presence. All that more. Because in our praise of God, we draw near to Him. He shapes our hearts. He forms our hearts. And we become someone that is after God's own heart. And one of the things I want to encourage you guys to do is, if you feel far from God, some of you guys may feel far from God. And, and there's sometimes I feel like this. If you feel far from God, one of the things that I want to encourage you to do is just take some time out of your day and just start to think about the things that you're thankful for. 
just try it one day. When you feel like, when you've had a really bad day, say like your your Wanjangnim like did something really like you know like crappy. Um, Mina Mina used to have these days when she worked for a kids college, right? She'll come home and she's like, ah. Right? When you have one of those days, right? Just take some time, right? Put your phone away, take some time, and just start to think all the things that you're thankful for, right? And I'm telling you, there you you you're not gonna just end at three, right? You're gonna end at like you're gonna just keep going like 50, 60. You're gonna be like, oh, I'm thankful, I'm thankful. And then when you truly start to have that heart of thanksgiving in your heart. Right, and when that true praise starts to come out, I'm telling you, that's when you tap into God's supernatural power. Whatever bothered you, whatever made you feel that way, all of a sudden doesn't feel so so bad anymore. Right, whatever issues that are in your life that seem so heavy and so burdensome, they seem a little bit lighter. Because when we have a heart of praise, when we have a heart of thanksgiving, right, we're doing and we're, 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 we're experiencing a little bit of what heaven is going to be like when he comes back and when we're sitting in heaven, we're going to have no problems, no tears, no ouchies or owies. We're not going to be hungry. And we're not going to need anything. There's going to be no lack. And when we praise God, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a means for us to tap into that. And have access to that. And so I want us to close today with, by, by closing with praise. Could, Tiffany, if you can come up. I want us to close with, with, with praising the Lord today. And let's all stand up. And, and I want you guys to praise. And don't feel self-conscious. Right? A lot of people, we feel self-conscious when we praise God and we feel... Like people are looking at us, ain't nobody looking at you, right? The only person that you should really care about is God. The only person that you should really focus on is God Himself. And and as He comes into this presence, I want us to give praise for who He is, for what He has done, how amazing and how good He is, how amazing is His grace. How amazing is His love for us. 